Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenhouse. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications. And this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today. Ruth, we spend a lot of time talking about millennials these days, uh, like a lot of time. And, you know, as consumers, members of the workforce and the labor market, there is like a near obsessive focus on how to capture the time and, and the treasures of the millennial generation who are going to replace us baby boom boomers in the economy. Um, but once again, it looks like we are overlooking Generation X, who are often referred to as the forgotten generation. And this could prove a rather costly mistake for us, right? For uh, both mm. commercial and nonprofits. And I'm so pleased that today we have a chance to discuss this really important topic with Alicia uh, Lifrak, who I've had the pleasure of working with for many years. She has spent the last 25 years leading strategy in nonprofit and higher ed. And she, you know, tells us, ignore Gen X at our own peril. Um, so why don't we invite her in and see what she has to say? Great. Welcome, Alicia. Delighted to meet you. And let me just throw out an, a, a quick question, Alicia. Why why do we call Gen X the forgotten generation? What's that all about? Well, I think uh, if you look back through uh, from a historical standpoint, in the 90s, there was a lot of demographic data that came out talking about this next generation of millennials. Um, and it was a it's a large generation. It's 80 million people. And so there was a lot of dialogue around how do they spend? How do they think? How do we market to them? And they, it, and we just sort of ran with it. And so for the last couple of decades, that has become a huge focus in how all sectors, consumer, nonprofit, uh, even probably governmental, that became kind of the primary uh, focal point. The Gen X population is 67.5 million, or 65, I think, 0.2 million uh, members, it's actually poised to take over the baby boomer population in 2028. So it'll be, um, it'll be larger than the boomer generation, but they were smaller. And so I think they sort of got like squeezed out because there was these two very large population sets that became kind of the focal points. Um, on a more sort of lighter note, it's fitting for those in Gen X because they kind of have been the middle generation. They were forgotten about, even as they were growing up, they were often the latchkey kids. They made their own TV dinners. They were babysat by television. They had uh, often two parents working. Um, so they were very independent um, or they were probably the first full-fledged generation of divorced families, a lot of single parents. So they were really kind of on their own and being raised I guess as young people in the 70s, teenagers in the 80s, kind of ballpark, um, just sort of set their own path and have stayed on that independent path for a long time. But obviously, um, they're now moving into a uh, period of leadership opportunity and leadership uh, existence. 
And so I do think it's important that we not forget that they're still out there. It's still a pretty significant oh. population. Mm. That's so fascinating, Alicia. So let's break that down a little bit. So we're saying that this is a generation of, of highly independent thinkers, um, independent in the way they live their lives, independent in the way that they, they, they think. They're not as much uh, joiners, right? They've got a little bit of that middle child, it sounds like. Uh, what does that mean when you look at that from a marketer's perspective, an, uh, an employer's perspective, uh, how, how does that impact the way we engage with uh, Gen Xers? So I think the I think the idea that Gen X is not joiners um, is probably a uh, misconception. Uh, the reality is the Gen X population is uh, currently um, owns or sits in about fifty one percent of leadership roles both corporate and governmental around the world. So they are in those leadership seats. They have the majority of those leaderships, leadership seats right now. And I think they are, they tend to be very engaged, but they're, a, they can be a little cynical and they're a little skeptical of institutions that because they've been independent learners, they um, might not just jump on any given bandwagon. So I think, as we look at them, you know, from a consumer market or even an employer or employee market, um, recognizing that they have characteristics, they have a set of value systems, they have things that they prioritize and they have ways that they make those types of decisions. Um, I think you have to take all of that into context. As a consumer market, Gen Xers, Gen Xers rather spend more money than millennials um, on an annual basis by one third so they're big consumers, um, and then their spending power per annual on an annual basis is two point four trillion dollars. So there's a lot of um, engagement that's taking place. We're just not marketing to them. We're not paying attention to them. And those companies that do, um, I think, are seeing tremendous yields because they are they are spenders and they are they do get engaged and they are taking leadership roles. We just don't talk about them. <laughs> we just so who, who are some of the companies that have tapped into this interesting market successfully? Well, I would say uh, a couple of companies that are run by Gen Xers would be Google and Tesla and Facebook and Twitter. Um, they're, they are led by a Gen Xer, and I think that they have very effectively marketed their brands to that population, so they would be good examples. I think there are, you know, in the nonprofit sector where I spend a lot of time and energy, um, I can't think of anyone who has very specifically gone after that market um, as a defined population. But I do know that there are a number of, you know, those leadership seats that we talked about that are being filled by Gen Xers on boards. They're mm. moving into those key roles. And so I think we will begin to see a little more pivoting as those decision makers are, sit are sitting at the table representing their own generation. Even so, I mean, I would say from my own client standpoint, 90% of the conversations that when we start talking about marketing, uh, multi-generational marketing, the word Gen X never comes up. It's just, they just, right. just bypass them and go right into like, how do we get to the millennials? How do we get on their, how do we get in their inbox? How do we get them to open our email? How do we get them to open our mail? And so um, 
it's, I think we just have to constantly remind ourselves that there's this other population out there who um, shouldn't be forgotten. Right. So part of it, let's let's dive in a little bit in that nonprofit space and excuse me if I say things that uh, correct me if they're wrong. So boomers were uh, making up the majority of the individual giving for a long time and have. Right. And and therefore have had a great deal of attention um, from nonprofits and um, attempts to engage the Gen X generation in giving had been unsuccessful and expensive. And so um, many nonprofits stopped doing that, right? So they said, forget about them. They're never going to give. They're not givers, okay? Just like they're not joiners. Now, how much of that is life stage related? And what we just don't seem to understand is that giving is a lifelong and philanthropy is a lifelong um, you either you either are a giver or you're not a giver and you give at certain times in your lives and asking people to do certain things that generationally don't make sense at a certain point in time is our fault, not the, not the Gen Xers fault, right? Did we ask them at the wrong time? 100%. And I think we're probably in that space and how we're trying to approach millennials to get them to, to behave in a certain way because we need financially, we need their contribution. We want their commitment. But I think to your point, Cindy, you're uh, spot on. It is more about life stages. And so the boomers have uh, historically been the largest base of donors, but they have But if you look at their age population, they've been in that 60 plus, 55 plus arena for a pretty long chunk of time. And so they have been financially in a position and from a life stage standpoint in a position to make charitable contributions because they are done raising their families. They are moving into retirement world. They're living um, in in sort of a different sense of uh, prioritization. And so I think I would caution us to over-focus on them being the generation of donors that we rely on. And I see a lot of uh, nonprofits over-focused on these boomers because that's where they believe all the assets are. That's where they believe all of the donations have been coming from. So that's where they stay. And their files are shrinking because unfortunately this population is moving into an arena where they're maybe on fixed giving or maybe they're moving into assisted living or maybe they are not, uh, maybe they're dying. I mean, literally that, that, so you have to replace that piece of your donor file with the, the next generation. Uh, by the con- on the contrary, the Gen X population is now moving into an arena where they're in their 50s. So a lot of their children are out of the home. They're now in a position to be thinking about plan giving and an estate planning that doesn't involve a uh, predominant focus on beneficiaries, meaning their young children, but they're now in a place where they can consider making philanthropic impact and doing those sorts of things. So I think it's premature to be talking to millennials about that kind of giving. This is the time and space where we should really be engaging with those Gen Xers. The challenge for any organization, whether it's commercial or nonprofit, is going to be that they are very aware that they have been ignored. They're they're quite cognizant of this. In fact, um, if you want a little comedy uh, after today's session, you should look up. There's a Twitter feed that from David Gergen just last week made a comment, and it's in reference to his latest book, um, talking about 
it's time for boomers, the baby boom generation to hand the baton to the millennials. It's time for this leadership transition to take place. Oh my goodness. A hilarious thread of Gen Xers responding to this saying, you're forgetting about a big chunk of us that are still out here. It's high comedy. I would say there's some very clever Gen Xers out there. So um, they're aware. So to, so to jump out um, in the middle of nowhere and expect to engage with them, if you have not already been talking to them, would be, they'll call you out on it, I guess. That's what I would say. Wow, that's um, cool. Yeah. But more importantly, they are there. And if they're engaged in your uh, charitable endeavor or with your commercial operation, whatever it is, um, now is the time to kind of develop that deeper engagement. Now is the time to start having more meaningful conversations. And I will say as a generational characteristic, um, Gen X population is very interested in uh, making an impact. They want to know not just their, you know, that you process their gift, but they need a thank you. They want a gift acknowledgement. They want it to be personal. And they want to know most importantly, how did that gift make an impact if you're thinking of it in terms of from a donation standpoint. So having those types of communications, having that kind of engagement um, will serve you very, very well. And I would say the same is true for consumers is that they shop, they're willing to spend money on something of value. Um, They're less transactional. And if you, and they are, they're very tech savvy. Um, they tend to be more ethnic, ethnically diverse as a population. Um, they're, they tend to be more social on liberal or more liberal on social issues, that is. Um, so I think that recognizing that resourcefulness and that independent nature, they're also very nostalgic. They're very pop culture driven. They are the MTV kind of generation. So Tapping into those things that um, make them special and who they are is, I think, the best place or the best way, rather, to connect with them. And then having that conversation and allowing it to deepen is going to be the thing that's going to lead them to be um, transformational consumers and or donors. That's so cool. You've very cleverly discussed not only the not-for-profit importance and the kinds of messaging that makes sense, but also the commercial side. Thank you so much. I I was really impressed at the size of this audience and also not only in terms of the numbers, but also the the market size, but um, also, also that they are at the peak of their careers, right? They're in their 40s and 50s when as you pointed out, they're in the leadership seats. They have probably money in the bank. They're mm-hmm. still spending probably on their children, and but they're also likely to be indulging themselves. So I could see some luxury markets or luxury categories, fine suits. No, wait, forget the suits thing with the, <laughs> the pandemic, but you know, leisure, <laughs> leisure travel, for example, yes. and, oh, very much. and and second, second homes and other trappings of, of that age group. And, and I thank you for giving us some tips on how to talk to these people too, because especially if they 
as you say, are cynical and and aware of marketing's missteps and, and um, sensitive to it, we we have to be 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 really careful. So now that they're in this life stage and and we have opportunity to market to them and we're not going to ignore them anymore. What should we be preparing for as they enter their older years maybe, or get to the peak, the pinnacle of their buying capability? How, how should we as marketers prepare for that? Well, I think there it's a unique generation and I, I, I'll speak from my own personal experience because I am a member of the Gen X uh, population. So I would say um, first and foremost, there's some really interesting dynamics and things that are going on. They are still caring for children. Even if they're adult children, they, 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 have, uh, they still have an active parenting role. They are also caring for um, at a greater and greater degree, their own aging parents. So they are in this middle space where they have an immense amount of responsibility um, and expectations and accountability to a lot of others. Um, the baby boom generation um, will be, and it, it has already begun, um, but there'll be a massive transfer of wealth that's gonna take place over, that, over this next decade. And so being cognizant of how this generation, uh, where the generation's pain points are, where their needs are, all of the people that they are responsible for um, is a pretty heavy weight to carry paired with the fact, um, and again, now I'm definitely speaking for myself, we don't consider ourselves old. We feel like we're still very youthful. We're still very engaged that, you know, 50 is very different today than it was in the 70s. There's a, there, you know, socially speaking, um, consumer power, uh, like things that they do, you know, there's 50 year olds who are out there rock climbing and rappelling and going on a vacation. So they're not, they are not an old group and yet they have disposable income. They have the ability to make luxury choices as you um, referenced Ruth. Um, so recognizing them with this sort of, I don't, bipolar is not the right word, but this dichotomy between having all of this responsibility and they're in leadership seats and they have disposable income, but they still consider themselves very young. I think they still, they still see a lot of that youth and independence in themselves. So, so recognizing and communicating with them in that vein and also understanding the channels with which they expect to be communicated um, they're very tech savvy, so they're they're fine with um, email and uh, texting and social media. They they're very prominent on all of these types of channels. They probably don't get a lot of mail in their mailbox, and I think historically were ruled out, um, you know, 20 years ago as being non-responders. But they might be moving into a space where. Uh, having that tactical experience of something in the direct mail realm would work really well for them because a, they, you're, they don't, there's not a lot of, they have a lot of uh, real estate in the mailbox, so to speak. So that's, that's a place where you can kind of connect with them, but it's gotta be meaningful. It's gotta be, it's gotta talk to them on their level. Um, they're, they're probably more environmentally focused. They've been raised in a, uh, as a generation in a time where climate change is a very key point and issue. So 
they want to see use resources used well um, and not they don't like waste. But at the same time, uh, if they're like me, their email their email inbox is a place to have a mass delete of hundreds a day because it's just spam and they're not going to open it. Sure. So you, I think sure. you need to be I think you need to be very deliberate and thoughtful in yes. how and when. Yes. Uh, lastly, and I know, Alicia, the time always just goes so fast when, <laughs> when we're talking together because you have so much great input to share with us. So thank you. Uh, if we could just um, end with one question here. You know, uh, West Virginia University is our sponsor and they have some uh, terrific uh, educational programs. And over the years, we have seen many adult learners come and explore, especially graduate level education, and to help in their careers. Gen X, is this a generation that is looking aspirationally at um, higher education or more education to advance their careers? Or are they uh, bypassing that and doing just, you know, my practical experience will carry me forward? No, I think Gen X uh, places a very high priority on education and higher education in particular. If you think back, I mean, we're actually dealing with some of the backlash of this case scenario, the, the trades are very under-resourced right now because the populations who went to high school in the 80s, we'll say, um, were very much marketed to you. Every, if you went into any guidance counselor's office in any high school in America, it was all about going to college. That was the path to success. And there was sort of a um, discounting of trade schools, trade uh, trade. Uh, occupations. So I think there, it, the pendulum is swinging for millennials to look at, and there's a more skepticism in on the part of generations who are now saying, well, wait a minute, there's these other paths. Gen X as a population, however, is, but is hardwired to believe in and buy into the need for higher ed. And that, had, that was the path that was set for them. Um, and so I do think the continuation of that um, as executive education programs, uh, master's programs, I think they're a very open audience to seeing that and have a, and place a high value on education. Great. Well, Alicia, we're so pleased to have had you join us today. And um, we have learned that we should not uh, forget and um, ignore this very, very important cohort, the Gen Xers. Very interesting. Thank you, Alicia. Well, thank you both so much for uh, inviting me. I enjoyed the conversation and uh, I look forward to speaking again soon sometime. Cindy, she was terrific. And what an eye opener for me personally about this cohort as a massive market. And the fact that they've been ignored means that those of us who pay attention to them have kind of an unfair advantage of a, a competitive opportunity that it is there for the taking, it sounds like. And absolutely. And I, I love the reference that Alicia made to, you know, the middle child syndrome, right? They're the <laughs> middle generation and the middle child syndrome, which, you know, latchkey kids that made them exceptionally independent, um, you know, the first to experience a lot of the cultural changes uh, that we have seen demographically. But I was very surprised at how big 
they are, not yeah. in sheer two, numbers. Two and a half trillion dollars in spending power or market size, 65 million people, and that they're at the peak of their adulthood, you might say, um, in their mid-40s to mid-50s, and kind of a little bit on the edges. This is an awesome, awesome market. And then, wouldn't you, weren't you just cracking up when she pointed out how how aware they are of being ignored and they're they're sort of sardonic about it and making jokes when people like David Gergen ignore them. And so that has implication for us marketers too, right? Absolutely. They're aware that they've been ignored. Um, they're a little sensitive about it, but they have a great sense of humor about it too. So if we think from a transparency standpoint, how interesting that could play as communicators and marketers to say, hey, you know, we get it and we get you that you maybe feel a little disenfranchised or ignored. Um, but Ruth, you made a really good point about that they now have spending power and spending power means in many different areas, right? They're out of the years where they're focused on young children. They have they're at the peak of their earning power coming up. 51% of them are in leadership roles in, in their businesses and yeah. institutions. And that socially, they're uh, almost a, another kind of sandwich generation. I, she didn't use that term, but she mentioned that they're still taking care of their kids in some respects, and they're also taking care of their parents in some respects. So that's a challenge in terms of their their needs and mm -hmm. needs for products and services. I also loved how she gave us some hints about their values. So they want to be sure they're spending, they're, they're willing to spend on items that are of value to them. They're, they're tech savvy, they're ethnically diverse, they're interested in nostalgia. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they I, I think, if we get our messages right, that we could really tap into this marketplace pretty directly. Yes, you know, they're pop culture driven, but they feel a strong accountability for others. Whereas the boomers have often been characterized as the carefree and want to live their lives and not have the same sense of obligation, responsibility. It's mm. our time to live. And the Generation X, because of the way they've raised themselves, been independent, yeah. are more um, feeling accountable for others, but do have the spending power and desire and willingness to be autonomous and, and spend it. Really interesting transformation coming. Um, and, and that um, leads me to, I think, Ruth, the, the, the other aha here, conversation around the transfer of wealth, right? Right. The discussion around nonprofit giving and how the uh, boomers have uh, monopolized individual giving for a, a very long time because of how large the cohort was and how long they gave. And, you know, now there's going to be this big transfer of wealth into the Gen X and um, institutions that tried to 
uh, reach out to them may have done it too early from a life stage standpoint when they were not willing or ready Mm -hmm. and they bypassed them. And now is the time to really figure out how to engage uh, this generation in philanthropy and giving, right? Right. And that they are not only in the perfect life stage, but they're also possessors of the values that are likely to stimulate giving. So it just seems like a a, a perfect market for not-for-profits to focus on now. Especially when she said they're um, very interested in environmental concerns, climate change, mm-hmm. think sustainability, think of all the nonprofits that are focused in that area, social good, social responsibility. So there's a real opportunity there and they have a pocketbook. Interesting planned giving. I would not have thought that Gen X uh, would have been um, prime for planned giving yet. I would have thought they were, quote, too young. And there's my bias again. Um, I think many of us have that bias. And yet Alicia said, yes, but we're not too old either. So, <laughs> right? And that they want to be aware and, and be informed about the impact that their contributions are making. So that gives us good ideas about how to engage with them over time. Okay, so Cindy, how about if we recap our three big takeaways, beginning with the the awareness of this amazing market segment and that has been ignored, is aware that it's been being ignored and is a an opportunity for us to start paying attention and build relationships and, and pull them in. So Absolutely. that's sort of the first one. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, not that we want to uh, take anything away from the millennials or dismiss millennials. There is a place for each generation, but this generation holds far more promise today for marketers than we give them credit for. And not only is it big in terms of spending power, buying power, but think of the influence that they're going to have on culture and society. If they're already 50% of our leaders and they're going to be even more in our leadership role in business, uh, in government, they're going to start taking more of uh, positions of leadership there, uh, the voice of the people, uh, they are going to be extremely impactful uh, for us in the future. Good point. And then as our second takeaway, it would be about their kind of their awareness of how they've been ignored and I'm guessing their potential appreciation for companies that do speak to them in the the language through the the media and with the messaging that is resonant for them. Yes. And how they do seem to have like a very, you know, we hate to generalize cohorts need to, you know, never generalize across an entire generation. That's unfair, but that was very interesting um, when Alicia shared and and we had a good giggle over that um, David Gergen, but they have a great sense of humor and humility about it that um, while we have ignored them and an acknowledgement of that could go a long way by organizations to say, you know, we, we get it. Um, And perhaps we should be looking within our own organizations, our own institutions, um, for individuals who are Gen Xers. Maybe they've been quietly 
paying attention in our own companies. And maybe now is the time for them to, to have a seat at the table and openly help direct the marketing communications within um, our firms. Right. And that also is relevant to the third big takeaway about their high potential as targets for nonprofits. And she mentioned that this is the time that Gen Xers are moving on to boards, not on nonprofit boards and, and uh, g- guiding the, the goals and the strategies of, of these nonprofits themselves. And that because they're just entering the life stage that is heavily about giving and plant giving, that they're a huge potential for tar- a few, huge potential target market for not-for-profit fundraising. So wasn't that a, a terrific program today? I, I've really learned a lot and so grateful to Alicia for joining us. Absolutely. And thank you, Ruth, for your great insights as well. That was fun, Cindy. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu edu slash mc today to view our upcoming conversations listen to previous discussions and subscribe to receive updates